The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew in the 11th chapter. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength, and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. When I was in third or fourth grade, you know how when you're in grade school especially, there are these fads that take over like right now it's the little rubber poppet things and i was watching the kids play with those this week and i was thinking about all of the fads that we had uh you know when i was growing there were slap bracelets that was the first one that i remember in my school this weird thing happened where everyone got into marbles every like they, they would you know make the ring out in the you know in we didn't really have grass in arizona we had we, we had uh gravel and so you'd make a ring in the gravel on the playground and everybody would be out there shooting their marbles and trading marbles and all that. But when it was in third or fourth grade, I remember that uh, the Marvel came out with trading cards and you could buy packs of these trading cards. And that was my first introduction into the, the idea of, of superheroes. And there's this one card that I had that, that I traded somebody else for because nobody knew who this character was. And I thought this was just the coolest thing ever. The character's name was Archangel. Uh, and he's this superhero that has these giant metal wings. And he has this cool, like, black fuchsia costume. And, uh, and, and uh, like, the, the picture on it was just so in, incredible that I thought, this is fascinating. So I started getting comics and started reading comics and reading more stories about this person. And, and then, like most kids do, you start 
thinking, well, what would it be like if I had superpowers? <laughs> what would that be like if I had giant wings and I could just fly around everywhere? I could, you know, run as fast as I wanted to. And, you know, and, and your mind just starts racing. Your imagination goes running crazy. And we think about what would it be like if the whole world was filled with superheroes? How interesting would that be? We just finished reading through the book of James together, chapter by chapter, reading through the book of James. And the thing that James wants us to understand, the thing that James says over and over and over again to us is this is what life in God's kingdom looks like. The core verse that we focused in on is right at the end of chapter three, where James says that wisdom from above is pure. It's peaceable, it's gentle, and reasonable, and full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, it's sincere. We talked about that life in God's kingdom looks like living with integrity, and justice, and peace, and community, and righteousness. That that's what it looks like for us to live in God's kingdom. And then at the very end of chapter three, he has this amazing image for us that in God's kingdom, the peacemakers sow peace and the crop that they raise is righteousness. It's God's righteousness. That in God's kingdom, we sow peace and the fruit that comes is God's righteousness. Now, over this next several weeks, I want us to say, what does it look like for us in the real world to live the kind of life that James has been calling us into? What does it look like when God's people hear the call to holiness, the call to peacemaking, the call to community, the call to justice, the call to righteousness, and then they hear that call and respond and they walk alongside God in the midst of the world around us. So we're going to talk each week for the next several weeks about what the lives of the saints look like in preparation for our celebration of the Feast of All Saints at the end of the month. But here's the thing. As soon as I say saints, we start thinking about superheroes again, right? I kid you not, you can go to some Christian bookstores and buy trading cards with the pictures of the saints on them, and you can do the same kinds of things with them. Yeah, I, I also had those when I was a kid. That was a way of getting you off of those evil comic books. They would have, you know, the Christian trading cards with, with hokey artwork and all of those kinds of things. Right? But as soon as we hear, oh, we're going to talk about the saints, we start, we, we start thinking, oh, well, these guys are superheroes, and there's, there's miracles and all these kinds of things. And the reality, the truth is that that's not what the saints' lives look like. There are miraculous things that happen in the saints' lives. But they don't happen in the saints' lives because the saints in and of themselves are heroic. The miracles that the saints experience are the things that God is doing in the midst of God's people. And the saints obey and respond. It's not something that the saints produce in themselves. It's something that happens because God is at work through his saints. And he still is. He still is today 
right now in this room among his saints. God is at work in our hearts and in our lives. So as we read and listen to the stories of the saints of the church, I don't want us to hear these stories and think, well, you know, that's that's a nice a, a nice thing. Maybe I'll put that picture up on my wall and that'll be the end of it. I want us to hear the story about God at work among God's people, people who look an awful lot like you and me and who hear God and then respond when they hear God speaking to them. So this week, I want to talk about St. Francis. His feast day is tomorrow. Now, you have probably heard me tell lots and lots of stories about St. Francis because I love St. Francis. I love all of the stories about St. Francis. And so you've probably heard the stories about how he is the the first Christian to receive the stigmata um, and that he preached to... uh, one of the the sultans in the midst of the crusade, he went to Egypt and began uh, preaching to the sultan rather than taking up arms. Obviously, we know that he founded a, a monastic order. But did you know that Francis, if you met him early in his life, was a deeply, deeply unpleasant person to be around? He was the epitome of a spoiled rich kid. He had everything that he could ever want, and the only thing that he did with it was get into fights and carouse and drink. And that was it. That was all that he decided to do with his life. When he saw poor people on the street, he would literally hurt them so that they would get out of his eyesight. He was offended by their presence in his vision, and so he would send his ruffians off to beat up poor people and sick people and beggars on the streets. That was the kind of person that Francis was when he was a young man. And, of course, this life of violence and and addiction led him directly to jail. And while he was in jail, he encountered the gospel for the first time in a way that he could understand it. And it transformed him. Now, I'm not going to tell you guys all of the stories that you've heard about Francis, about rebuilding the church and, and, and all of those things. I want to tell you two stories about his life because I think they help us to understand what it is that God is doing in the lives of those who love him. All right. The first one happened before he ever received his, you know, what we would understand is his call into monastic life, his call into ministry. It was simply after his conversion, he was traveling alongside a road, and he saw a man at the side of the road who was a beggar. And as he got closer, he realized that he wasn't just a beggar, he was a leper. Now, if you remember the way that Francis used to look at people who were around him who were poor or dirty or ugly, was that he would literally hurt them so that he didn't have to look at them. But as Francis is riding into town... He sees this man sitting on the side of the road, and Francis said, I was overwhelmed with compassion. He said, in my heart, there used to be a terror when I I saw a leper. But all that I experienced when I looked at this man was compassion. And so he got down off of the horse and walked over to the man and kissed him and held him. And from that point on, Francis and all of Francis's followers were known for going into specifically those communities, communities that were filled with outcasts, 
communities that were filled with sick people, communities that were filled with poverty for going into those places and ministering directly to those people, bringing the alms that they had gathered so that they could buy food, so that they could buy clothing, so that they could buy medicine, and then administering medicine and cooking meals and clothing these people. This was the hallmark of Francis's movement. And it didn't happen because Francis wanted to see a change in the world. It didn't happen because he was filled with some sort of incredible, uh, you know, idea. He, he didn't he didn't have this this incredible mission that he that he wanted to grab a hold of. He was listening to the voice of Jesus and the voice of Jesus filled him with compassion. He heard Jesus and hearing God's voice was filled with compassion for the people that used to be those people. And the reality is for all of us sitting here today, we have those people. They're probably not lepers. I, I mean, maybe you have met lepers. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that you know idea terrifies you. But every single one of us sitting here today can think of who those people are because we all have them. I have them. We all have those people in our hearts, people who are different than us, people who make us uncomfortable, people who make us upset, who make us angry. And yet what God is calling us into is this is his righteousness and his righteousness is something that we find when we pursue peace. When God's compassion, when his love is near to our hearts, it changes the way that we see each other, and it changes the way that we see the world around us. Right there on that road, Francis encountered brokenness, and in that brokenness, he saw the presence of of Jesus. Now I point that out because I want to tell you a story that I think I have shared with us uh, in in one of our Bible studies before when we talked about Saint Francis. But this is not uh, a, a story that comes from one of the the lives of Francis that that you you normally read. This one was uh, a, a more obscure story. But in this story, Francis and one of the other brothers, whose name was Gil, were traveling, and they came to a small town and it was almost nighttime. And when they got into the town, there wasn't, you know, it, it, it was a small, there wasn't a place for them to stay. Now in the middle ages, especially in poor communities, it was very uncommon for a person to have an oven in their home. That was a, a, a luxury. Um, what usually happened, especially in smaller communities is that there was an oven in the center of town. There would be a communal well and a communal oven. Uh, and it was much it was a much larger oven, but somebody in the town, sometimes it would be a, a baker in the town, somebody who's who's uh, you know whose business was to was to make special kinds of bread. But oftentimes they the the people in the town would take turns and you would go early in the morning and begin heating the oven. And these these ovens were were made out of layers and layers of earth and rock. And so as you would heat the oven up, the oven would begin to absorb all of that heat and it would get warmer and warmer and warmer and people would go early and they would begin baking breads and then eventually that heat would dissipate but not entirely 
And so at the end of the day, especially in, in Europe, in places where it gets chilly at night, oftentimes the people in the community who were poor, the people in the community who were homeless, the people in the community who were unwelcome or outcast would find a warm place by sleeping beside or sometimes inside the oven. They would crawl inside the oven where that residual warmth was, was still there, where those stones were still warm for the day, and they would crawl in there. And oftentimes these were very cramped spaces. And that's what Brother Gill, what Brother Francis found when they came into this town and it was nighttime, they went to the oven like most people did. And they crawled inside the oven and, and, and inside that oven, he, he said that he could hear people jostling around and grumbling a little bit. They didn't, you know, you know, sometimes you just don't want to be touched or you don't want to be touched by, you know, those people or, you know, it's a, it's a cramped space and everybody's trying to get comfortable. And he heard, you know, grumbling and bickering and noises. And there in the midst of that oven, in, in the middle of the night, Francis again heard Jesus speaking to him. And what Jesus said to him was, from now on, these are your brothers and your sisters. Jesus didn't show up in a bright shining cloud. He didn't show up and make everybody's problems go away. He didn't send the Holy Spirit in to overturn the economic system of the time and, and restore these people. He said to Francis, from now on, these people are yours. You belong to them and they belong to you. And that changed the world. This idea that these people gathered around in the dark were not, at least for Francis, were not the sick, and they weren't the poor, and they weren't sinners, and they weren't street people. These were his brothers and his sisters. All of them just people, just like Francis and Gil, just like you and me, who are stumbling around the dark, bumping into each other trying to stay warm. <clears throat> but Jesus says to Francis, from now on, these are your brothers and your sisters. And there's something there that, again, we, we kind of, it's really easy for us to slip into that superhero mentality, right? You're like, oh, wow, you know, Jesus was talking to him in that way. Uh, you know, that's pretty incredible that, that he was able to do that and, and he was able to hear that and, and he was able to respond to that. But the truth is that Jesus says that to us every single day. Every single day, Jesus says to us, you are brothers and sisters. Every single time that we gather together at the Lord's table, we gather together knowing that we are one body because we share one bread. We are one family. And we're not one family because we have done something incredible. We are one family because of what God has done. 
because God in the person of Jesus Christ has stepped into the midst of this oven. Because it's not you and I gathered alone in the dark, but that God is right here alongside us the whole time. That's the gospel that right here in the midst of my brokenness and sickness and my hurt and my sin, God wraps himself in my humanity and sits down beside me. And when he sits down beside me, he calls me home. He says to every single one of us, come home. But he also says to every single one of us in our humanity, you are home. God has chose to make his dwelling place his creation. The God who became man to set us free is still human, just like you and me. Is still clothed in our humanity. Because otherwise we can't be redeemed. Otherwise we can't be set free. But God descends into the midst of our dark night and climbs into the oven beside us. And makes himself one of us and calls us brothers and calls us sisters and calls us children and calls us home and calls us to himself. And he still does today. There was not a miraculous event that Francis experienced on that roadside when he saw the leper. It was not a miraculous event that Francis experienced when he climbed inside that oven. It was just that Francis was listening. And that's what James invites us to. To listen. To hear God speaking God's grace. God's healing. God's call to our hearts. To hear and to respond. It's just about you and I knowing Jesus' voice. Hearing the Lord speak to us. Learning to hear his voice by learning to listen well. Learning to hear his voice by encountering his voice in scripture. Learning to hear his voice by giving ourselves over to prayer. Placing ourselves in a quiet, humble place and simply inviting the Lord to speak. And if we learn to hear Jesus' voice, we will be overwhelmed by how much the Lord has to say to us again and again and again. This wisdom from above that is pure and peaceable. It's gentle and reasonable and full of of mercy and good fruit that's impartial and sincere. Because the gospel is this. we It's not what we expect. We expect a king who shows up and conquers. But instead, God steps into the cold, angry dark alongside of us and becomes one of us and calls us home.
And he says to every single one of us today, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is life. That's his invitation to us today. That we draw near to him in faith. That we receive who we are. That we become who we receive. That we learn piece by piece here and day after day to hear the voice of Jesus. And then to ask him to give us humility to obey. To do the things that he's calling us to do. And then slowly, bit by bit, to begin to see the city around us the way that God sees it. To see our homes and our houses and our workplaces and our schools and our streets as places where God is at work. Where God is saying to us again and again, from now on, these are your brothers and your sisters. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you.